that I'm gonna keep allowing some more people to kind of roll in. Also, and, I'm Chris sure. Bernard since I wasn't even the ready host. to introduce yeah, but you were him. Yeah, it was over here looking awkward. Oh like, my gosh! I just waited for people to come in. I was gonna introduce what you. I, what about for the people that are here already? Oh my goodness! And here we go. You guys see how this interview is about to go. So, welcome to Out of the Blocks with Jasmine Todd, and I have a special guest. I'm allowing him to introduce himself since he already kind of did it. No, I thought you were supposed to introduce me. <laughs> no, I can't this, talk about myself. This is Chris Beanard. Benard. <laughs> it's Bernard. Actually, one of the first questions I want to ask is how annoyed do you get when people mess up your last name? I'm completely over it. It doesn't even bother me anymore. <laughs> like, I'm way past... Since elementary school, like, I had to leave that in the past for sure. Like, oh, my goodness, you guys. People mess up this man's name all the time. But for those of you who don't know, because I know we've just been starting to introduce more jumps and sprints, he does triple jump. This is a two-time Olympian. He's pretty cool. In my opinion, I think he needs somebody to just kind of follow him around all the time because <laughs> that's all that's nice. thank you <laughs> you're welcome he is such an interesting character and he's really fun to be around i know that this interview is going to be a lot of fun because chris is great conversation if you guys ever see him i'm just going to put it out there stop him and talk to him he may not like it but <laughs> i usually like it i do be liking it <laughs> Unless I'm late somewhere and I'm like, damn, I messed up. I was talking for two hours. I'm two hours late. Yeah, this man can talk, but guaranteed it is always good conversation. Um, so now that you guys are here and we've introduced Chris, let's go ahead and get started. Um, also, you guys can see that we've got a little bit of a different arrangement here because he's one of my training partners. Yeah, we'd be around each other. So I figured we'd do a little change of scenery and actually be in person together as opposed to the Instagram Live Double Double. Woo! So we're going to get it started because we do have a game night that we are about to do and have some fun Already together. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let me get started for real. Um, you guys might also hear a dog in the background. Don't mind him playing. His name is Prince and he's really cute. All right, now I can really start. That's Olympic champion Jeff Henderson. That's Olympic champion Jeff Henderson. Actually, before I start anything, I think the first question I actually really want to ask, aside from the fun question that I asked earlier, is you live in a house full of athletes, mm -hmm. and they're all very elite. So what is that like living with all of these different personalities? It's easy. Like, it's, it's like like-mindedness. It's like living with people that you're on the same page with. Yeah. And I feel like as athletes, you only really get that in college for the most part because you live with the teammates. Then you go off into the real world and you get people with like real world problems that don't relate to your track problems. <laughs> so over here, it's like we be worrying about having enough water in the house. Like that's a big deal. Like, yeah, I feel like everybody likes to go to sleep at a reasonable time because we have practice in the morning. So it's, it's pretty simple, to be honest. That's fun. This house got... It has a lot of personality, by That's the true. way. Um, yeah. You'll probably see some of them walking around in the background, but they're all great, great people. Um, so from JUCO, you had a kind of a different path. So you went to JUCO, mm -hmm. and then you went to Arizona State. <laughs> from there, you became an Olympian. <laughs> Sorry. I'll let that slide. Go Sun Devils. Thank you. Good sports up. Good sports up. Put up your O's, guys. Don't worry. Um, okay, so 
Can you walk us through your career progression and also how how did you end up becoming a triple jumper? Uh, well, I played football in high school, and that was my main sport. Uh, all four years, that's what I was really focused on. Then my junior year in high school, I decided to do track because some of the upperclassmen were, well, like, I looked up to them. So I was like, yeah, I'll try it out. And I was specifically long jump. Like, I knew I could jump. <laughs> I didn't even know what triple jump was, so I wasn't about to risk my life um, doing it. Um, but I would do it, like, uh, maybe every once in a while. Uh, a couple times I didn't make the pit from the 38-foot board. Didn't you jump further than 38 feet in high school? Yes. So you would have beat me my junior year. My <laughs> oh, junior year. my goodness. Uh, but then my, my senior year, uh, I got a little bit more locked in. And uh, the upperclassman that got me into track went off to Tennessee and came back and showed me how to bound, like, for two practices. And then, like, I just kept on progressing. So first meet, 42 feet. Next meet, 43 feet. Then 44, 45, 46. And then I went 49 and once I went 49, I was like, okay, maybe I'll have a better, like, shot doing track than doing football. And, now, <laughs> yeah, now I'm here. <laughs> I would say that that is, uh, yeah, two-time yeah. Olympian. Yeah, it worked out. <laughs> where it is hard where some people will only be a one-time Olympian. And being an Olympian, period, as we all know, is an accomplishment. So, two-time Olympian... I think I think it's just the right yeah, path. Uh, yeah, I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it at all. For real. Um, I think can you explain the triple jump and kind of what it takes to be an elite triple jumper? They kind of just heard how you weren't as great when you first started out. I definitely jumped further than him in high school, which I think that's crazy to think about right now because yeah. it's Chris. <laughs> Can you, uh, yeah, walk us through the triple jump and what makes it so difficult? Well, it's it's like one of the most technical events in the sport. Like uh, I feel like that's obvious to see. Um, but the higher your athleticism, the more bad habits you can get away with. But I would only say that's at the middle level. So like uh, with sprint mechanics, the better your sprint mechanics, the further you'll jump the better you understand biomechanics and positioning and where your feet need to be underneath your hips, the further you jump. And a lot of the time with high level athletes, they do that very naturally. So they're not the, they're not the ones blowing their backs out when they're trying to do a full approach triple jump because intuitively they know how to get out of positions. So I would just say like, either you study a lot, or pay attention very closely to the event, or you're just a natural freak athlete. That's like kind of the, the few ways that people end up excelling in the triple jump. But it's like, this, triple jump is like it, it hands out no favors. Like you really got to figure this stuff out to get it right. Or you end up out of the sport very quickly. So what do you think makes you the elite triple jumper that you are? Mm -hmm. uh, definitely attention to detail. Mm -hmm. um, my whole career has been a progression. So... If um if I was still doing the stuff that I was doing when I came out of college, then my leg would probably be broken in three places. But because I paid attention to the details and like made sure the mistakes that I made from last season weren't being made again, and just kind of almost just like, I guess being like water in a sense to where it's like, okay, what worked before isn't going to work in the future, so I need to be adaptable if I want to continue to do this. Just kind of like adapting that mindset. Basically, 
in my lifestyle, like uh, just making sure everything is adapting to where I want to get to, got me to a steady progression in the triple jump. I just continued to get better. So yeah, I would say it's, it's just that attention to detail. So the triple jump is very competitive, mm-hmm. especially men's triple jump. Women's triple jump is starting to get there, but the men's triple jump has been so competitive. And for anybody who actually pays attention to it, especially at USA's, they can see that there's a lot of tension down there on the field where there can be a lot of smack talking. So what is that environment like and how do you handle that? Well, I'm, I know myself well, so I know, and I'm a, I'm a reader of situations, so I'm not going to give any energy to anything that's not going to give me energy. So, like, I see everything down there for what it is. If somebody's down there talking, they're passionate about what they're doing, and if they're doing it to pump themselves up, then I'm not going to give them any energy. If they're doing it to pump me up, then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give them something back. But definitely the tension being down there is just all from a place of passion and then a place of like even respect, I would say. Like I can't just come out here and lollygag. I gotta I gotta be on my best game. If my best game means I'm a shit talker, then I'm a shit talker. If my best game for me is locked in focus, whatever's going on is going on, then I lock in focus and let whatever's gonna go on go on. But I I definitely think it's interesting how it looks from the outside looking in. Cause for me I'm really I like you might just see me down there like minding my business for like I might just be in my own world while one person is doing this another person is doing that but like for me it's like man, like who cares like like and if you make me care like then then we'll see what happens but yeah. either way like it's really just like genuine energy down there and I feel like none of us even take it back with us once we leave the event it's like what was said down there was said down there what happened down there happened down there we're all warriors we happy we made it out healthily Hopefully we made it out safe, and then hopefully we just had like a great competition. Um, but overall, like it's it's just like genuine energy, I would say. Yeah. So as we talk about the competitiveness, I think we're starting to see more of this transition where athletes are going to a JUCO or that D three, D two, whatever type of phase before, even if they some of them aren't even going to these D one colleges. Mm-hmm. But we're starting to see a lot of high performance so what is that what do you remember what that competitiveness was like when you were at a juco was it competitive at your time there so it was it was like mildly competitive like juco was really tough in a sense and i think all uh almost all sport outside of d1 has this aspect to where not everybody's there to be professional some people are just there to be there and that's especially true at a junior college because it's it's like continued high school. It's like people are kind of just here because they don't know necessarily what to do next. Yeah. So, um, for, for me, uh, in junior college, just being at a really good JUCO, I, I went to Riverside Community College, and they were very competitive. We won a, a few state championships at the time. But I had athletes around me who could push me, and I also had ones that can drag me down. And um, luckily for me, I had this inner drive to where... I'm going to try to be competitive no matter what. And that's why I saw a level of competition that maybe others didn't notice. Mm-hmm. But I would say nowadays how it differs is social media is way bigger than when I was uh, in, yes. in JUCO. So I think kids are starting to understand that like it doesn't matter where I go, 
if I run fast, it's going to get blasted across the internet. People are going to be able to see this. Yes. So I think that that's even raising the competitive level. Like junior college kids running sub 10 seconds is like, like why are you even that motivated to be this great? Yet? Like, what you, like you don't even, you don't even know the, like what that kind of time can get for you in the future for you to even be pushing yourself yeah. that hard. But I think they do know that now because it's like they've seen another junior college kid run 10 flat and what that did for them when they can see what other kids are doing and what kind of work ethic that they have to have to be to that level. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, I saw this kid do this on Jumpers World. I know he's working out like this. I think I'm just as athletic as that kid is. I'm going to do 10% more than he is or I'm going to do 50% or like anything like that. So just having access to information, I think, is raising the level of competition on all levels. I like that you brought up social media. What do you think would have been different, if anything, if you had social media as accessible as it is today? Ooh, that's a good question. Because it's, it's hard to say. Because, you know, like, the variables in life are completely random, you know? <laughs> like, like it could have been... It could have been lit for me. It could have been like I, I potentially like you, you. just never know. Like you, you could. I could have ended up being like the face of a program, and then the program just being as good as it is. Uh, the program just being viral enough to get me a lot of attention, or it could have completely pulled from my focus and put my mind in uh, things that I don't need to be doing to. To triple jump far. Yeah. So, I mean, I think um, it's social media, is, it, it's, it has so much potential that you have to respect it. Like, it can really change people's lives. But you have to respect it on both ends to where it can drag people's lives down as well. You know, I've mentioned you're a two-time Olympian mm -hmm. and you're a triple jumper. If you were running the 100 and you were a two-time Olympian life would be significantly different for you. Absolutely. What do you think within track and field we can do to shine more light on the triple jump or just enhance it and give it that sense of how the 100 kind of is handled? Um, well, I've been actually thinking about this uh, a little bit as of lately. Um, and I, I, I had a realization that we're stronger together than we are apart. So I feel like throughout the years um, in the sport, we talk about how like the the hundred is the elite event, and that's why they get so much money. And then like shot putters, they do well by sticking together, and pole vaults do well by sticking together. And it's just like events that are capable of self sustainability kind of individualize themselves. And I think that if when the hundred meters was being shown, they also offer clips of the triple jump, like just basically with media saying how both events have very high competitive athletes that need to be respected rather than just promoting the fact that the fastest guy in the world is running because it could be the fastest guy in the world is running but then during this intermission watch how great these triple jumpers are yeah. and just kind of like and then even even evening out the prize money structure or the um the uh, appearance fee structure to where we all are even rather than giving somebody more money based on the fact that their event brings more attention but not realizing that the only reason why the event brings more attention is because it's what's being blasted to the people the masses are going to take whatever we show them if we, yeah. if, we just, if we decide like if we decide to make a marathon 
the the event to watch, then that's the event to watch. I mean, a lot of people relate to the marathon, but a lot of people also re relate to shot put or discus. Like people ran, people, a lot of people ran track. Yes. But it's not just being pushed at them like how other sports are. And, but when it is, people care. When you put cornhole on ESPN, <laughs> people care. Like, what? I didn't know people were this good at cornhole. <laughs> Same way you didn't know somebody can triple jump 57 feet, 60 feet. Yeah. You didn't know. And, and, and they're doing it like, and it's not easy to do. Like, it's the same way. Yeah, it's, it's just needs to be put into the media in a sense that we're all equal and that we're all not thriving so that we can all thrive eventually. Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with that. And as we're kind of on this Olympic subject, I think... Uh, well, you went to Rio and you went to Tokyo. I think a lot of people could see that there's huge differences yes, 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 yes. to each of those. And I was able, I had an interview with B. Reese earlier and I kind of was able to ask her the same question. So I want to hear from you. What were those two experiences like? Well, so... What's funny is uh, Rio, in comparison to the other Olympics, was already seen as the redheaded stepchild. Mm. So Rio, the the pool water turned green for the uh, for the competitions for like yeah for the pool like for the swimming competitions. The transportation was terrible. The taxis were taking you every which way, running your bills up. The toilets I heard were clogging in a sense to where. A volcano effect would happen to some people because oh. you couldn't flush toilet paper down the toilet, and these also these are of course are all negatives, yes. But within that, there still was a festival, like it was definitely like a world event for enjoyment. So like, just kind of seeing all the other countries get together, all the different like, basically outfits that show like I'm from Denmark, I'm from Fiji, I'm yeah. from the Cayman Islands, like that. That like um, camaraderie, like knowing that we all earned our way here, like you can feel that in the air. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it made for no matter what was going on, people were going to enjoy the moment. Yeah. Like I'm going to go watch these events. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I can while I'm out here because I'm at the Olympics. I'm going to do everything I can. And like I'm being promoted in a sense to where like everybody knows you're doing something amazing. So like go out there and enjoy. And I feel like uh, Rio, even though it had all this like nonsense happening, it still was a lot of opportunity to enjoy it. So, mm. like, I saw basketball games. I saw a bunch of competitive ping pong, table tennis. Oh, my gosh. It was whipping that thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, they were whipping it. It was so cool to see. Um, and then, like, the uh, the stadium was even, like, it's. I would say, okay, let me actually now transition. So, understanding what Rio was and then knowing all that was taking away at Tokyo, it made me take for granted less what I had in uh, Rio because at that time I didn't understand the magnitude of what the world can really turn to. Yeah. Because then now coming to Tokyo, it was like, yeah, we're having the Olympics, but like, are we really having the Olympics? Is there camaraderie? Can we talk to each other? Is it safe to be around each other? Am I going to contract COVID and then give it to somebody yeah. else? There's nobody in the stands. There's, um, uh, so like a big thing in the Olympics is trading pins, but that takes a lot of hand-to-hand -hand interaction. So it's like, is it safe to trade pins? Yeah. It was almost like everything that's promised with the Olympics outside of competition 
was it wasn't taken away but it was like if you do this you know you're at risk mm. so it was just a lot of it, was, it kind of made it hard to thrive in it and enjoy it all you could really do was just kind of take it for what it is and accept it but when you consider that Tokyo could not have happened at all mm. it's like it's better than nothing yeah absolutely better than nothing but um for, for sure for me having gone to both saying it's better than nothing kind of like it kind of came with like a little bit of like salt because yeah. I know how much better it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so as we mentioned, the stands were empty. And mm. so for some people, they really thrive off the audience. For mm. others, they can do without. How do you feel like that affected you if it did? I'm, I'm, I'm like, I have like radical fate acceptance. Like I, whatever it is, is what it has to be. So I, I was already kind of telling myself like, no fans, fans. You got to go up there, go out there and jump against any everybody anyway. And so, I, even I didn't compete as well as I would like to, and I could it could have been because of a combination of a lot of things. But because I understand that it's like I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and try to point and blame like it would have been better if they had fans yeah. or worse. I know for in terms of like experience, I for sure would have loved to have fans there. But uh, outside of that, it's kind of like, it is what it is. We all have to compete against, like, in the same element. You got to do these events. You got to meet a lot of different athletes. Mm -hmm. What are your top three athletes that you got to meet outside of track and field? Ooh. Who, not what. Who are Ooh. the top three? <laughs> First one that came to memory where I was excited was uh, Nigel Houston, the, mm. the skateboarder. I like skateboard culture a lot. You know, I ride my skateboard almost every day. And um, just kind of, I never seen him in person, but I had been following him since he was a kid, like developing. Yeah. So I, I, I barely even said much to him. I just kind of like asked him for a picture. And um, I think that was like the only person I asked for a picture of at the game. But I just remember being like, oh shit, like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably older than he is. Like, I was still like, like a little bit like, like damn, like, oh, that's really cool. I got to, I got to meet him. But then like, that's probably my number one. Most did I really like? Who did I interact with out there? I would say it wasn't a lot of interaction. Like, um, I was really happy just to even get to know my roommate, uh, Stephen Bastian. Uh, he's a, uh, a multi, mm -hmm. Cleet, Stephen Cleet Bastian. And he was just like a solid guy. Like, it's cool when um, you have to get stuck in a room with somebody, but like, you don't feel like you have to be too much different than yourself. Yeah. Like, I could tell my same jokes and like, he, he kind of just got it. Like, and, <laughs> It was like, if like, yeah, we're all weird in our own ways, yeah. and it's cool if you're like, if you're kind of weird in the same way somebody yes. else is weird. <laughs> and yeah, uh, just yeah, and I can say that about like all the people that I was in the dorms with, like it was just uh, cool uh, seeing people in their element and just kind of like everybody kind of being around new people, but still trying to like be comfortable, be themselves, be inviting if that's part of them or and then some people a little bit standoffish, but I'm understandable. I can be inviting and I can be standoffish. <laughs> so like, it was just, yeah, it was, it was probably just cool people watching in general. Okay, so actually I, I'm, I'm jealous because you got to meet some cool people and see some events. You got to go to the basketball game and I'm jealous about yeah, that. So I'm just, gonna, 2016. I'm just gonna go back to my questions because I'm jealous over here. <laughs> Soon, soon come, yeah. soon come. Exactly. Soon come. <laughs> so, um, you're—I don't even want to say like mental. I feel like that's not the proper term to say it. 
but you're a thinker you're definitely a thinker and you're kind of big on keeping that positive mentality and mm -hmm. maintaining that so what are ways that you maintain that positive mindset throughout your career uh i'm very big picture oriented and um i definitely understand how habits can affect your big picture so almost like if uh if you're being mindful if you're being like as mindful as you can be about your situation then you can understand how this decision can impact the next thing and then that domino effect into kind of like a downward spiral and i would say like just trying to err on the side of being in a positive place kind of always makes me remain in this positive place because i'm always like okay like you can be down about this situation but then how are you ever supposed to get out of this hole? Better to look forward into how you're going to get out of it and put your energy there so that you can get out of it eventually. And if you can't get out of it, then you, you tried your best kind of thing. And I, so I just feel like kind of just being mindful, being giving myself grace. I feel like, yeah, that's, 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 um, that's been huge for me. I, it's in my, even in my Instagram bio. Uh, it says mindful athlete. Because um, I, I think that like, I mean, it's, it is important to have faith and like, and, and, and trust fate, but if you can also take a little bit of accountability in the decisions that you make that are kind of affecting your fate, then you, I think you end up with better outcomes because mm -hmm. you're taking care of business, even, uh, even in times where you think stuff should be taken care of for itself. Yeah. So was there a particular moment that you started to understand your mindfulness or have you always been more of a mindful type of athlete? No, it, well, I've always been mindful before I understood what it was, but I would say just in my, in my adult development, I, actually, I, it was like in 2015, I had a meniscus tear. And I don't know if that just means I had more time on my hands to think or what, but I, I, I guess I just started to analyze what I wanted from life because at a very simple level, like I wanted better interactions from people. Uh, I wanted to be better with myself about how I can interact with people. And I, so just kind of like, and like thinking where my pitfalls are. And that's the, uh, so like, I guess a big thing for me at that time was I felt like I was responding to things without thinking first. So I, I started to make sure I paused for a second before I responded to stuff to people. And it was just something that I started to carry around with me. And when I started doing that, I started to notice my interactions with people were better because I was actually being mindful of the interactions. And that was like, I feel like that was just a, like my, the first step in my process of being mindful. Because then once you start being mindful, you start to find little places that you have pitfalls. Like, yeah. Like, so it's just like developing from there. It's just been like, okay, you need to be a little, you need to be more articulate. You need to like, don't mumble through your words. Um, like wash your face better. Like, um, <laughs> posture is important. Um, like, uh, core strength, like just kind of like just the little, the, the stuff that you might've thought was just how you had to be. There are, there are ways to adapt that up so that you are more productive and, or even just like happier with how you are as a human. And I feel like mindfulness, it, it really helped with that because I can see where I was holding myself back and um, and places that I thrive and I can try to be better about the places where I'm holding back and put myself into more positions where I thrive.
so yeah, uh, mindfulness. That's yeah, mindfulness is huge, and I feel like it started in like twenty twenty fifteen when I started to understand. Like it was like it was like the word just popped into my head. Like mindful, you should you should be more mindful. <laughs> I'm like, you know, what? I think I should. Huh? And then, yeah. That's yeah. actually cool. I like that. I like that. That's different. <laughs> okay, and then I want you to kind of. If someone was in your position, so like let's say to a high schooler, do you have any words of advice to a high schooler that was kind of following your steps where mm -hmm. they might not have been as good or even if they're in that position right now, they're not as good of a triple jumper. Mm -hmm. Do you have any words of advice or motivation for those type of athletes or any high schooler out there? Yes, definitely trust the process. Like... Uh, Life is like this constantly. It's going to have ebbs and flows, period. Um, and I think when we start getting doubtful on ourselves, we start making rash decisions. And if you can kind of see the path clearly, then stick to it. Like, and if you can't see the path clearly, figure out the unclear parts. Because, I mean, chances are, if you're, if you're a developmental athlete, you are pretty low on your development path. Like, uh, it takes a lot of work to be far on your development path. And if you are low on it, then there's a lot of things that you can pick at to get better. Yeah. But if you're kind of just thinking that it's going to take care of itself or you're not or like you're just kind of falling back on the place you are at. then it's it's almost like it's kind of being lazy in a sense to where it's like you, if you want to be as good as these other people, you can't assume that it was just handed to them. You're better off assuming that they trusted the process. They they were analytical in getting to the point that they're that they were trying to get at. And like, and that's how they got to the to that place. And their path could have started years earlier from you, but either way, it's better to assume that everybody's working hard, so you need to be working hard mm -hmm. too, and trust in that hard work because it's coming from a genuine place, as long as it is coming from a genuine place. But if you trust in it, then I feel like you'll at least see a progression. And I think, I think with like athletes, um. Any little progression is that is that high we're looking for. It's like it's that feeling we're looking for. So when it gets stagnant, that's when people start to start to lose hope. But like you can you can get these little progressions with like just the right amount of focus, the right amount of research, and you'll start to see just like improvements. And then once you've done everything, if it's like, okay, I've I've researched, I talked to people, I've made sense out of it and I've jumped this far, I feel like that's um that's a better feeling than feeling than feeling like uh, it just didn't work out for me, or I don't know what happened. I I I kept on getting hurt, or like, or any, or any of those things. Like, it's, I think when you're thorough with something that you love, you have way less regrets when you look back about doing it. Mm -hmm. Be thorough, guys. Be thorough. 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 <laughs> thorough. Okay, my last question, which is more of a uh, fun type of question. If you, I feel like I already know your answer to this, but. If you could do any other Olympic sport except for track and field, what sport would it be? Hmm. I don't know how you could know my answer. I don't even know my answer. It, I feel like it'd be lit to be a very good basketball player. I think I would love just being out there stroking threes <laughs> like Chef Curry, watching that thing switch through the net. Um, that's almost, that's maybe that's too easy. Table tennis would be lit. <laughs> like just to, just to be in that's that the world. That's the one that I was going for. 
before. That would be lit too, for real. You got so excited when yeah. you were talking about Ooh, it. It was bending that ping pong ball like Beckham. <laughs> like I before slicing it. Like it was like, they were yeah, it was really cool to see. You honestly yeah. Cause I feel like it's it's different from doing it for the glory as it is if you're doing it if you just enjoy it. Yeah. And I feel like basketball is easy to do it for the glory because you're going to be appreciated. So I feel like just something that I might just enjoy for real. That would be really cool just to be like that guy on the t- on the, on the uh, <laughs> table tennis. Yeah. Or really in, in any sport for real where it's like, nah, you know who that is? Like, he's nice for real. <laughs> like, nah, he's nice right, for real, for real. Right. I could see you playing table tennis. <laughs> <laughs> I have tried a backwards hand on with the, with the respects. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, Chris, thank you for coming on Alpha Blocks with Jasmine Todd. Thank you for having me.